Hello. Oh, I got some support team right there. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, we joked around the E3 church is the loudest church in here today. So thank you guys. I just want to say thank you to Robert and the entire City Network team. This, oh, this is so good. And as somebody who's kind of been, Brian and I have been a little bit involved just being at your events and doing different things, I can just tell you this is such an invaluable resource and so grateful to be on the journey with all of you. How are you guys doing? Yeah, is this pretty fun? Yeah, I think it's fun. So thank you for your obedience, Robert and the team. So my name is Jamie. I am married to Brian Taylor, who's the fearless leader of E3 Church right over there. Mom of four kids. Um, who definitely keep me on my knees praying for wisdom. I've got two teenagers, so you can pray for me. Um, I'm a writer and a speaker, and I'm currently back in school again, so that's showing me everything I do not know currently, so that's fun. I get to be back in school again. I'm here to discuss the idea of invitation, access, partnered with challenge within a ministry and discipleship context, because I'm guessing that all of you have discipleship on the brain. Uh, we talk a lot about discipleship. We've talked a lot about it here at this conference, because we instinctively know, right, that if we challenge people, but we haven't allowed them access into our lives, it can actually be a really difficult journey for both of us. Um, the idea of pairing invitation and challenge is foundational to our call of making disciples. And how do we know this? Well, Jesus Christ, the one we look to for an example of how to live as spirit-filled human beings, he showed us how to do it. In his great commission, instructed us to follow his lead. So we, we discover this little clue in the readings of the great commission found in Matthew 28, and also in Mark's gospel, chapter one, verse 17. The first one in Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then the second one in Mark says, it's Jesus speaking, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So he promised to make the disciples fishers of men as they followed him, and then he asks us to make disciples of people as they follow us. And in the making of the disciples, um, as you can read in each one of the Gospels, there's a great deal of challenge that Jesus offered them. He empowered these unqualified men, or teenagers, to change the entire world through their obedience. But mixed into this challenge is something that is absolutely vital to the making of disciples. You see, Jesus offered access. He offered invitation to his life, to all these people who followed him. And I'm gonna attempt in our time together to mix the practical within the spiritual because I believe Jesus did that as well. He was and he is the most appropriate model we could ever hope to emulate. So there's four things which I will cover quickly today regarding invitation, or in other words, that would be access. Would you consider with me that as a leader or a disciple maker, we must, number one, invite a small number 
of people into our lives. We must live and teach with integrity and appropriate vulnerability. Practice good boundaries with our few and with the many. And four, we would challenge or empower those whom we have provided access to. So first, we invite a small number into our lives. A small number. Quick survey here. Keith Harrington mentioned that, you know, we're not really using Facebook except for memories, which is kind of true. But how many of you have more than 50 Facebook or Instagram friends? Okay, quick survey. This is not, this is not a contest. I'm genuinely curious. For those of you who do not have any social media, I sometimes envy you. But on these days, it is not unusual to be connected to like 100 people or more on any given day. Now, you might even as a leader or, you know, some sort of spiritual advisor, you might um, put out a devotional or an encouraging word as an attempt to disciple people. This is good. This, is, this can be very good. Um, but we don't want to neglect small group, one-on-one, one-on-two discipleship where we're in the same room together. There's eye contact. There's a camaraderie. There's a knowing. Because you can't get the same knowing across the screen that you get in the same room. Another question. How many people do you lead on your team? Do you have two? Six? Twenty? Do you have relationships with these people? Or are they there for you to use for your ministry? Are they there to get the job done? And that's all. I don't mean to sound harsh or unfeeling. It's a genuine question that all of us have to ponder at times. Are they there for me to use? When we look at the example of Jesus, we see that he purposely went to a few people. He invited them to follow him. He said, follow me and I will make you. Basically, he was saying, come into my space where I live and do the work God has called me to do. And I'm going to empower you to do the same thing I'm doing with you. And you know what he did? He set expectations for them. And we must do the same with our disciples. Because if they don't understand what we're expecting, how can they do it? Which leads us to the second thing. After you invite a few people, and I'm talking like three to five, who we allow great access into our lives, after you do that, think about Jesus. What did it look like when they followed him and he allowed them access to his life? He lived, he taught with integrity and appropriate vulnerability. They went everywhere with him. They were apprentices of his. Oftentimes in that culture, children would continue their education by closely following a rabbi and emulating their every move and learning from them. And this is what Jesus invited them to do as well. And it's worth noting, I had this in my notes, but uh, Hannah said it so well, they were probably young. They weren't the seasoned 40, 50-year-olds who had wisdom and life experience under their belts. He allowed them into his space. Can you imagine a bunch of immature young adults? Come in my space anytime you want. I'm going to let you observe how I handle situations. He had those three, Peter, James, and John, who were allowed even greater access to him as he taught them. So can we take from his example and not only choose a small number of people to disciple, but allow them true access into our lives, to our family, and commit to be vulnerable with them?
This is not an easy task, because I know some of you are thinking, that is not my personality type. You are talking to the wrong person. I don't like people that much. I don't want them in my space. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want them coming over to my house. It's not my thing. Or, my small group's laughing, or maybe you're thinking, yeah, I, I tried that, and I got hurt. I got stabbed in the back. I let people too close, and they stabbed me in the back. Or they ran me ragged with all of their emotional baggage. I never got any rest. I'm exhausted by being accessible to too many people. I get it. Ministry's hard. And I know some of you are really tired of people right now. I wonder how Jesus handled that. Because, you know, he was fully God and fully man. His human body actually handed him some limitations that we understand deeply. And we observe him practicing good boundaries with the few and with the many that followed him. Let's start with the many. I love the way he would sometimes push away from the shore and find a place to rest. Jesus knew when to quit. He knew when it was time to take a break. But I also find it interesting that he wasn't on 24-7 with his few disciples. How do I know this? When you read the passage found in Mark 4, when he and the disciples left the crowd and were taking a boat to the other side, this fierce storm came up. Do you remember that story? Does anybody besides me find it really fascinating that Jesus was napping during the situation? <laughs> Let me explain a little bit. When you're, you, you and your peeps minister together, when you're, you know, going to conference together, you do a lot of healing, teaching, serving together, whatever you guys do, what do you do afterwards? A lot of times you decompress, you talk about the day's events, you talk about what you've learned, and there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, Jesus did that at times. He would take times, you know, like the disciples would come to him, explain what was going on, what, what had been going on, what, he, what had happened, what went wrong, all those things. But not this time, apparently. Jesus took off to the stern, and he fell asleep. He took a nap. Lest you think I'm taking scripture out of context, do yourself a favor and read through the Gospels again, slowly. And notice all the times Jesus took time to rest and spend time alone with his father. You have to know your boundaries when you allow people access to your life. You have to understand your own personal limits. You need to get rest. And sometimes you have to tell your disciples it's time for them to go home or to the other side of the boat so you can take a nap. And fourth and finally, when you lead disciples and allow them access to your life, it's important to challenge them or empower them within the context of access. Do you know how to truly empower or do you know how to bark orders until a job gets done? You see, ministry is not some kind of efficiently run conveyor belt of productivity. We are called to disciple people. And discipleship isn't a way for you to get people to do more for you. Although sometimes the positive result of discipleship is that people begin to do more for God. The beautiful interplay between invitation and challenge is empowerment. And the whole point of making disciples is that so more people can understand the beautiful work that the Holy Spirit can and will do in a person's life. And it's the long game. It does not happen overnight. This is not a quick thing. 
So what are some ways that I can make sure I'm providing an empower at, empowering atmosphere for the people I'm leading? Well, I'm glad you asked. And I know, I know I'm running low on time, so I'm talking really fast. I know you guys are hungry. First of all, care for yourself. I want you to get help for your weird quirks that sabotage relationships. If you keep running into the same problem over and over and over again in relationships, it might be you. You know, this might be the wrong crowd, but we got any Runaway Bride fans in the house? Okay, great movie. Um, but the bride ran away every time before she was gonna marry the groom, and then we find out at the end of the story she had some serious emotional baggage she needed to work through before she could finally get married. Well, this can be true in everyday relationships as well with people you disciple. So do the work. Do the emotional work to get healthy so you can actually have a good relationship. So that you can actually provide appropriate access to your life. Make sure you're getting enough rest. Ensure you have margin, real margin. Follow Jesus' example and turn your phone off one hour before bed. Oh, wait, was that not Jesus? Okay, okay. <laughs> Care for your disciples. Do life with them outside of the church or ministry context. Invite your few with, for fun activities, like where you don't talk about church. You don't talk about ministry. You talk about everything but that. You just talk about you guys, your soul. When was the last time you, you looked at your team member in the eye or your disciple, the person you're discipling, and said, tell me how you're really doing. Make eye contact. Make it awkward. Show them an inviting presence. Be available for the everyday stuff. Care for others as a group together. Empower them to do what they need to do on their own. Let them crash and burn, and then help them pick up the pieces. Jesus modeled such a beautiful picture of what true empowerment looks like and true access. He invited, he had a few. He loved, he knew them on a soul level. He trained. And then finally, he sent out, and he asks us to do the same. Let me pray quickly for you. Father, I pray for each one of these people in this room, Lord, that you would empower them to do what you call them to do, and that you would help them to learn how to give their disciples the access they need so that your name can be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.